Those are the sweet sounds of Brian Siskind on the keys, and we welcome you inside the Midlife Pilot Podcast. Uh, this is a podcast all about flying in the midlife and learning to fly and all things uh, related to aviation, and this is episode 22, and we're really glad uh, that you're joining us. My name is Chris Moran, uh, the Midlife Pilot on YouTube, and uh, joining me tonight, as always, is my co-host uh, and your friend, uh, Nashville native Brian, <laughs> Nashville resident, right down the street from Music Row, Brian Siskin. The whole, Good evening. The whole thing, man. The whole thing is you're, I've gotten on your case about um, always saying like music city, for, straight from Music Row or whatever. And I'm like, hey, man, I, I live on the west side of town. I'm not in Music Row. So now you try to pivot. And then here I am being called a Nashville native. I guess 20 something plus years, I might as well be. But yeah. Um, but anyway, hey man, how's it going? I'm glad to be here and I'm glad that you're you're here and I'm glad that everybody else is coming in the chat and we're super excited about our guest tonight. I mean, I love talking to you, Chris, but this is going to be awesome. Yeah, for sure. Looking forward to it. Um, real quick housekeeping items, as we always like to get out of the way at the beginning. If you're hearing the audio version of this, we record every other Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. And so much of this show is based around uh, the community and interacting with the community and, and just um, the comments and questions and things that come from that. Uh, so if you are able to join us, we'd love to have you uh, on the Midlife Pilot YouTube channel uh, every other Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, we've got a great group in the chat already uh, tonight. Lots of activity there, and I think everyone is excited uh, to jump right into it. So I, I think we should do that. What do you say? Um, yeah, let's do it. All right. Well, let's welcome uh, our guest tonight is uh, someone well-known in the aviation YouTube sphere um, channel, I guess is a couple years old now, maybe a little more than that. Uh, Eric is with us, the SoCal Flying Monkey, and uh, thank you so much for uh, agreeing to come on tonight and hang out with our with our group. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So I have been following your channel from the beginning, I think, although like many people, I bet you a lot of us came in, uh, with the, uh, video that you bought your plane for under $30,000 and it changed your life. That was the, I think probably the first one I saw of yours. It's got a really nice Cherokee six that you totally transformed, but why don't you take a step back from it and just kind of, for those who may not know of you or your channel, like talk a little about what, what you're doing with aviation and aviation content online and just about you. What's, what's your story, Eric? Uh, yeah. So my YouTube channel, I guess I started it pretty much right around when the film business shut down, uh, due to COVID I'm in the, I'm a cinematographer and I shoot commercials and TV and feature films and the industry kind of shut down. And, um, I had been making a little, starting to make a few aviation YouTube videos um, before that, but then I kind of just jumped right into it because there was nothing else to do and kind of set out just to tell my own stories and have the creative satisfaction and fulfillment of telling my own stories and not somebody else's and trying to share what's awesome about aviation through a uh, video, you know, with other pilots and other people interested in it. That's awesome. That's super cool. Um, your one thing that is that I really, really enjoy. There's a lot of things we'll get into all this as we go, but one of the things that I really, really like about your channel is the um, the adventures and how much your family. I mean, you use you're able to use aviation for a lot of things. You use it for work, uh, you know, a lot. But your family is such an integral part of the of the channel and your the adventures you get to take and travel with them. And I think that's 
I think that's a pretty unique aspect of your channel. And, and, uh, I've loved some of the, uh, your trips, your Sedona trips and, um, Dave Matthews band trips. And then even the series, um, with Jason Miller, the, uh, pinch hitter course, uh, that your wife did. I thought that was awesome. Excellent content. And your family seemed to be a kind of an integral part of, uh, a part of the flying experience for you. Yeah, I definitely, you know, when I got my private pilot certificate, um, decided like, Hey, what, like I was coming near the end of it and decided what, what am I going to do with this? And I think in the back of my head was always, Hey, let's use this to go on lots of family adventures. So kind of set out to do that in the beginning when we bought the Cherokee 180 and I just had dreams of like going cool places and seeing where it would take us. Um, and it really has been amazing. I mean, we upgraded to the six so that we could take more stuff um, and fly farther range and be more comfortable, just get, you know, more passenger comfort for everybody. Uh, and that has really allowed us to branch out and do longer trips and explore new destinations. And um, yeah, what's interesting, I think about it, and I was thinking, I've been thinking about this lately a lot and sharing it with a few people is that, um, you know, you can drive somewhere in an RV or um, a, a road trip or whatever, but um, being in the airplane makes you sort of gives you like an excuse to find weird places that you wouldn't normally go. It's just because like they have cool airports. It's like, Hey, we can fly there. You know, I've been to like, I don't know if I would have gone to Sedona so easily or quickly. Um, I would maybe wouldn't have jumped on it if I hadn't heard like, it's an amazing approach and the runway is kind of challenging on this Mesa. And also it's a cool destination, but it's kind of like the excuse, right? It's like, mm -hmm. Oh, excuse to go somewhere. Now we're going to fly to a cool new place. There's an airport there. Like the, place we went to in mexico laredo down in baja it's like well i can fly there well let's just go there because we can right so totally. it just makes things you know different adventures it's super cool yeah I've, I've always tried to explain to people that are not flying people um that this it's almost like there's this whole hidden world that we're in it's in and around us all the time but you just don't see that all of a sudden it's like this network pops up that now you have access to that other people don't have access to. And it does uh, preordain in some weird way, you know, uh, your, your adventures, right? Because they are where they are, but man, there's so many times I've, uh, I mean, I just had a trip where I got stuck in Shreveport, Louisiana for a couple of days and, and I got to explore that town while I was waiting for the weather. And I just thought, you know, that's completely why I enjoyed if I would have gone to Shreveport with these expectations of like, Oh, I hear they have a new burgeoning art district I'd like to check out or whatever. It'd be like this whole different set of expectations you're weighing and everything. But when you just are kind of happening through the network as it is much less having these destinations that are proximate maybe to places you've considered, it's such a, it's such a fulfilling uh, thing, especially, you know, it, it, it reminds you of how, what a gift it is in the United States, you know, to be able to have such vast territory and varied terrain and, and you know all this to to explore but one of the things that um i see somebody bringing it up in the chat as well that um and you had mentioned earlier uh is this pinch hitter uh video series that you did i thought was one of the best things uh that you've made um and i had you know when you're talking about incorporating your family you know i mean i have several questions maybe that are maybe probing about that because on one hand it's a real choice to incorporate your family and have them 
you know, uh, available to the world in some way, right? Like that's a, that's a privacy choice. That's a, that's a, that's a difficult thing I would imagine to navigate on some level. Cause Chris also, you know, is filmed a lot with, with his daughter, you know, and I think that especially with, with kids and whatever you, you're, you know, you've probably got a lot to sign up, kind of consider, uh, about that. So I'm wondering if you had, you know, any thoughts on just sort of what it is to choose to include your family from a YouTube perspective. And then secondly, with the pitch hit, pinch hitter course, um, you know, my only follow up to that would be, um, has, has your wife stuck with it in any way? Is it something that's already kind of degraded that you feel like you need to revisit or what's, what's the continuation of that? Yeah. Well, for those people who haven't seen that pinch hitter, that we made two videos about her, adventure in learning how to control the airplane, learning how to land the airplane in case of an emergency. That's what the whole idea was it uh, behind it was about. And um, it really was a transformation. She was went from having basically like take anti-anxiety medication to even get in an airplane. And then she got used to being in the airplane and was really anxious about even touching the controls would never do it. And then Jason Miller from the finer points, we, we, he agreed to, you know, do this pinch hitter course for her. And over a couple of days, we went up to Northern California and did it. And um, it just totally transformed her. And those two videos, I think I'm almost most proud of those two videos on my channel more than anything, because put a lot of resources into it, a lot of time and effort and told the story from her point of view. Um, so like creatively, I think I'm really happy with those. Um, and they just, the story I, I feel like is so compelling. It was so much fun to tell and it was so personal. Uh, and just, watching her go through that transformation for me as a pilot, I was stoked because now she likes to fly, um, which was amazing. I just didn't even expect it. Um, has she kept up with it? Well, occasionally she'll take the controls, but almost never. Um, and it's kind of, it's definitely a thing where I think she needs to do a couple more days, maybe call Jason back up or when he comes down, just try to get her back in the plane. She realizes that too. And I think she wants to do it just every time we're going on a trip, I'm like, hey, you want to take the control? She's tired or dealing with something else, or we're in like, you know, possible almost icing conditions or whatever. It never seems to be the right time. I guess coming back from Washington two days ago probably would have been a good time, but every they were they were both sleeping in the back, you know. So <laughs> well, also, it's still a huge accomplishment just for her to have some actual primacy developed, right? Like she's got some some foundation, whether it's it's um, you know, manicured and kept or not, you know, just to have that is so much better than, than nothing. And ultimately if it, it allows her to feel safer as she goes and, and feel more confident and not have as much anxiety, totally worth it just for that. But that just, that series was, was so good. And I love how Jason, um, you know, sort of metaphored the whole thing for her. It was, it was just really artful instruction. Um, it was really, it was really great, but, um, but yeah, so, um, Jason, is like, uh, he's an amazing CFI watching him, work um and read her like just be so in tune with what she was where she was at emotionally through the whole thing you know when she was like done he was like yeah you're 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 done right you're feeling like overwhelmed and done she's like how can you even tell you know he he knows just so um such an expert cfi it was really amazing to watch i was i was really surprised by it I got a chance to meet him at Osh, not this year, but the previous year. And I told him a similar thing, like, because I've watched a ton of YouTube content over the last four or five years of aviation. And I think he is uh, hands down 
as far as YouTube uh, CFIs and folks that are online, uh, he is the best at that craft. I just think he has such, it just is so apparent to me that he has such a, um, just a complete understanding and is connected to just AV, all parts of the aviation experience, the aerodynamics, the airplane, the machine, you know, just he, he just gets it every part. And uh, he, he's such a great communicator. And uh, I, I just think he's the best. I think he's the best out there. No question. I'm with you on that. Yeah. So oh, I wanted to ask real quick too. I mean, one of the things I couldn't help, but you know, notice about your channel is, you really, but if you compare it to maybe a lot of people that are really hell bent on, you know, I'm going to release a new video every Monday and, you know, I'm, I'm going to sort of play the algorithm game for my channel and all that. You have done clearly a quality over quantity approach. And obviously it's, it's worked. I mean, everybody here is not trying to, you know, be a, a mega YouTuber or anything like that. But I do find it interesting from a creative perspective that, that you've got this kind of standard as obviously you're a professional cinematographer, you're only going to stoop so low in terms of like cranking out work. Right. And it's not quality, but still it seems to be, be very conscious. Yeah, definitely. I'm had decided early on, like, especially after the first video kind of went viral and got a, you know, we got a lot of views and I had an opportunity. I had to think like, where, what do I want to do with this? And I just decided like, I don't want it to be a full-time job cause I already have video film production as a full-time job. And it kind of, um, definitely takes the shine off of the experience of doing it sometimes when you're under pressure to create something somebody else wants, or you have to do it regularly or whatever. So I just decided it was going to be, uh, something I was going to do for my own creative satisfaction. Um, you know, and, I've definitely compromised a little bit on that here and there because you do have to kind of publish regularly. And I also want people to see the stuff. So it's a balance. Like I want to get the algorithm, pick it up and get it out there. Cause I want people to see the stories and get moved by it in some way or get inspired by it or just take something away from it. So if nobody sees it, well, that's a downside. So it's kind of a balance, but I've definitely, I definitely put in a lot of time and effort into each video to try to, make myself happy with it creatively before I publish it. Um, and yeah, I probably at the expense of like the algorithm going like, Oh, well, I, people are coming back over and over every week or every two weeks. So, mm. um, I would love to have the time to like, you know, put in, you know, do, do more to publish more videos, but I have a, a full-time job. So, yeah. um, it's probably going to be at this pace for a while. We have had conversations at nauseum, probably to the disdain of some listeners, uh, about this idea of like the kind of inside baseball of YouTube publishing and like, um, because and Brian, we we had a fly in at a, a house that we have down on the Outer Banks of North Carolina over the spring, and a group of us got together, and Brian espoused us with his deep philosophical thoughts and all of the things that he comes up with. And I, I'm bringing it up. I see you shaking your head, Brian. I'm bringing it up again. Cause, cause Eric almost hit on it there. Exactly. Like what Brian says, Brian has this thing where we, he said, we were talking about the, the kind of the drive to publish. And I get, I, Brian and I are the opposite personalities. I get, super stressed and then paralyzed by the fact that I can't get a video out in time. You know, I, I get really caught up in that part of it. And Brian is the exact opposite. And his take was like, you know, 
uh, his line was like, nobody, nobody cares. And I'm, I'm mischaracterizing it, but the takeaway was basically like the stuff that Brian's creating, he's, he's creating for himself. Um, it's, it, because ultimately nobody really cares, like, the, you know, from a viewer standpoint, he, Brian can explain his thought better, but we got way deep into that one night at the beach house. And that's, you just kind of hit on it when you kind of said, you know, you wanted to, your, your priority was to make things that were satisfying to you. Uh, and you know, it was your kind of creative outlet and not under the demands of all the other, uh, you know, yeah. the things I mean, I think it's, I think it comes down to just, you can't make things for other people, uh, unless you can get stuff done yourself. And the biggest inhibitor to getting the stuff done is a lot of that perfectionism or, you know, just being mired in reconsideration of ideas over and over again. And so, nobody cares. It's just like a weird sort of mental shortcut that I've come up with is kind of a manifesto of like, whatever the little detail is that is keeping me from getting this thing done. I I'm quite confident the nature of that detail, like whether this light is just right or whether this thing is, or whether this word really nobody cares. I mean, and ultimately, you know, I, I mean, I, not to get too weird about it, but I mean, I think about like, I've got people in my family that, you know, two generations ago that I'm like, I, I wonder what they did, you know, like wonder what, what they were like. So, I mean, obviously video and everything is forever, but you know, it's like, I don't know, just, uh, I come from the kind of, kind of send it, let it fly kind of school, the opposite of you, Eric, uh, because, and I should probably take a, a, a note out of, out of your, your playbook and actually try a little harder, <laughs> but, but ultimately it's just about, I'm just trying to synthesize things that I'm feeling and thinking at almost the speed of which I'm doing that. And that's why also I have a lot of, uh, videos that have less than 100 views. So this works out, I think just right. Like it's, you get what you give, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's, it's, it's, it's a way, but I'm, but Eric, you know, like I always wonder, you know, uh, from your perspective, you're hauling around, what are you working with? Like Ari's or, you know, crazy, really high end, you know, uh, cinematography equipment. And then all of a sudden now you get to sort of do your own, you know, sort of personal masterpieces in this world of aviation that you love and all of that. And you've got, you know, GoPros and you've got, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. like, so how do you, um, uh, how does that sit with you or how, how have you wrestled with that? Because I mean, there's people, I mean, what's that guy that always flies around. That's got like the, the Mac, the Guth Miller guy or Matt whatever. Guthmiller, yeah. Yeah. Like he's got like a whole team of people following him around with red cameras or whatever, which is fine. But I'm just saying like, uh, how do you manage that, Eric? How do you balance out like what you know is capable of being done versus what you're kind of just able to do? Yeah. That's a hard one. Cause yeah, the GoPros can be super frustrating half the time they don't work or there's always a problem with one of them. I've, I've kind of got it down now. Like um, I've kind of got the like, you know, uh, procedure down with like shooting with multiple GoPros and synchronizing them automatically with GoPro labs and all this stuff. So it's, it, it's a little less painful than it was in the beginning, but I think, um, yeah, I'd love to do stuff that's like higher quality. And sometimes I break out the red camera and shoot, you know, things with, with that. But um for the most part, I don't, I just use my phone or something else. Yeah. I, mean, I love how you're, you're people, if you're not following Eric on Instagram, you got to do it because when you go somewhere, your Instagram stories are essentially as well produced and put together as anything you, you're, you're flying somewhere. It's like, like it might be 25 little stories in a row, but you really feel like I just kind of just watched a whole sort of immersive trip. So even like the small dose stuff you're doing is, 
is really, really well done with, with simple tools. I mean, and it's easy to say like, Oh, only these GoPros, you mean, Oh, you mean these tiny cameras that can shoot 4k? Like, it's, you know, it's easy for us to, you know, as older people to, you know, to sort of get dismissive about the technology, all the technology is amazing. Right. So I, I you know, fair play to that. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's been a definitely like a learning curve using the like more consumer kind of stuff, but I've kind of like, um, in the past couple months just resigned to go, Oh, I'm just going to use my phone and GoPros and it's going to be fine. People probably can't really tell the difference or whatever. Nobody cares. Um, and then I think what I'm going to do is, you know, for certain videos where I have like a really clear vision of what I want it to be some Epic video, then I'll like bust out the higher production quality kind of stuff. Yeah. But otherwise, yeah. Yep. The GoPros and the iPhone, I've just sort of said, well, the iPhones are yeah. so good now. They look great. If you know what I- you I appreciate the, some of the details that go into the things that you do, even with your GoPros, things like, um, I mean, I, I, you, you do a really good job managing their limited, like we're going to get in the weeds for a minute, but dynamic range in there. And I'm sure you're using some form of graded, gradiated NDs or some, whatever you're doing for cockpit stuff. But I also love your, gra- the graphic stuff that you do. Like, I totally appreciate the detail that goes into like tracking, um, I watched I watched one recently. You had somebody in the back seat. It was you and Poppins in the front and there was a guy in the back seat and just the first shot, the wide of him in the back seat, you were tracking him with his name and cuz I could tell it moving I mean just barely moving with the bounces of the plane. And then you went to the tight shot and you didn't do that. But I mean the details of like uh those little details are the ones that make you can just you can watch that and say yeah, this guy he knows what he's doing. Like there, there's some details that go into those things for sure. Yeah, I try to I try to throw that stuff in. It's fun. And if any I mean, for anybody who's interested in like making their own their own airplane videos. And I know I think Brian's probably seen this stuff, but on our Patreon, you know, I have like a whole series of how to, you know, make aviation videos from the basic stuff about sound and the GoPros to the GoPro settings to getting the most range to setting up a multicam timeline to doing basic color correction to doing power windows on color correction. I've just sort of been, you know, just anytime I discover something new, I make like a little how-to video, be like, oh my God, I just figured out how to save myself three hours in this. Um, and that's been fun to put together as little bonus stuff for um, the patrons and things like that. That's awesome. So, I, think you're, I think you're under, underestimating it when you say little stuff for the, for the patrons, because I was shocked when I saw the quality of that instructive uh, content and just the the sheer value of it. My first thought was, if this guy knows Jason Miller and Jason Miller has his own platform, how could you not make your own instruction platform for exactly that kind of thing? Because there's so many people that have, you know, from the most basic level of just, you know, how do I set up one camera and get ATC audio and and not have it be a big mess for me versus multicam versus all that. I mean, you've got so much valuable content even for somebody that I would consider, you know, I'm a person that does it by trade on some level and I'm sitting there like, Oh my God, like the way that like you're, you're, cause I use DaVinci as well. I uh, resolve and your time code and syncing. And, and I saw just, you know, today you were like, Oh, I figured out how to get the iPad recordings to be time coded, you know, or whatever it was. And I'm like, my God, like, so I don't know that the Patreon value that you offer is not, pedestrian uh or phoned in on any level it's insanely valuable well-produced content which i should not be surprised but i was surprised oh thanks and honestly if it were up to me i would only create for 
the platform on Patreon. Like the, this is a much longer discussion, but like the YouTube ad rev and like all the YouTube stuff, they, you're just at the mercy of this algorithm. I would much rather have a, like a bunch of people who really want to see the content mm-hmm. and it's a, a few, few dollars a month and that's how it's all supported. That's why I put the majority of the stuff on Patreon. Like I put the main YouTube videos, but then I create a lot more stuff on Patreon. Yeah. If it were up to me, like if, if, if Patreon were more of a discovery platform too, that would be great, but it just isn't. So we have to do the YouTube to like direct people over there, but that's, really for me where it's at because there's so much more interaction with the community with our discord and the trips that we're doing like it's just so so much i i I like that platform i like the idea of it right well i'm now i'm now headed there to sign up because i also need all that content and everyone listening also should visit that too at patreon.com slash socal flying monkey uh, is where you should go uh, to look at that. A lot of folks in the chat uh, saying the same thing travis ben singer uh Chris, Nathan Ballard, all agreeing. Eric does a great job with the cinematographer expertise. Yeah. That's uh, that's great stuff. So yeah, thanks um, everyone for the support. It's just so fun. Yeah, and everybody, get your questions in here. We've got uh, I guess about thirty minutes left, and we'd like to start funneling in some of uh, the chat questions. You know, because that's the stuff that we wouldn't think of asking. Even though I've got a list, I've actually got a list. How do you want to um, go? You want to go oldest to newest, or do you want to start and work our way backwards? Um. How about uh, weirdest to most normal? Well, I'm not going to read every one. <laughs> pick them. Oh well, Ben. Ben's here already. Hey, oh, good. Let's. How about we just start with our friend Ben Singer? Uh, ben was one of the guys that came down, and hung out with us in our uh, fly-in in the Outer Banks in the spring, and uh, he, his nickname was the Sage. He was the old wise one among us that kept us all from doing anything stupid while we were there. Uh, ben Singer <laughs> said, "Question for Eric: Where did the name SoCal Flying Monkey come from?" Hmm, that's a good that's a really good question um okay so yeah i was making this youtube channel and i needed a name for it and i like monkeys a lot and um i thought flying monkey was pretty cool um i don't know (laughs) it's just funny (laughs) i don't want to take things too seriously it's sort of like you know a little whimsical um like don't take yourself too seriously kind of thing and then I looked up Flying Monkey, and there's already a channel, I think, called Flying Monkey. So I had to add SoCal in there, which I think is cool. It helps people know where where we're at, I guess. But, um, yeah, it's kind of a stupid name, but <laughs> we're stuck with it. It's cool. I don't know. I, I guess it's because, like, I couldn't think of anything else, and I, I love monkeys. I actually, when I was growing up, we lived in Brazil for a little while. True story. I'm not making this up. And we took a trip to the Amazon Uh uh, to Manaus, it's in the Amazon rainforest, and um, this uh, monkey uh, took my dad's lighter and uh, and and uh, bit me. Yeah, it got bit by a monkey. Wow! <laughs> I didn't actually get bit by a monkey, but he stole my dad's lighter. So uh, that that's it. That's where my love for monkeys came from. I like to say I got bit by a, a radioactive monkey and became the SoCal flying monkey. So, like everything else, is childhood trauma. Yes, childhood trauma. <laughs> uh, I'll piggyback off of that. So you have wh- one of the cool things that everybody picks up on right away are the nicknames. You know, the nicknames for everyone in your family that flies with you, right? So your wife is Poppins, and then you've got uh, Goomba and Skyrat are your daughters. What uh, is there any? Are those just are those just names? Did you already have those names? Are those already fam- kind of family names, or are those for flying in the YouTube channel world? Those were came about as a result of the YouTube channel, except for Goomba. That's we've always called my daughter that. I'm not sure exactly why. 
Fred says the character from like Super Mario, that little angry mushroom. Mm-hmm. I guess she, when she was really little, she reminded me of that character. <laughs> nice. uh, so I'd be like, what's up, Goomba? Um, and uh, yeah, Poppins is just because my she like she packs like so much stuff so she always has like you you need uh oh you have any hand sanitizer she has it you need a first aid kit she has it like she has this bag of she can pull out like anything that you need so she's like mary poppins uh and then yes uh my other daughter she picked the name sky rat i'm not sure why she was she decided that um I guess birds are like the rats of the sky. So she said she was a sky rat, um, but now she's sky duck because she's going to University of Oregon. So she changed her handle to sky duck. So gotcha. That's cool. Uh, this isn't a question, but a comment from Alex in the chat who said, how did we decide that PA 32 was the perfect plane for us? It was because of you 350 hours later and going strong in his PA 32. I love it. What's up, Alex? <laughs> How's it going, man? Alex is a, a patron of ours, super involved in the community and always love his uh, posts on Discord and everything. So I I definitely, yeah, I get messages like that and um, that people pick certain things like the airplane or avionics or just the idea to get back into flying or to drop you know, their career and move into flying. Those messages are like the most amazing thing um, as a creative person to know that the energy I'm putting into creating content is connecting with people and moving them in some way is the most fulfilling thing as a, as a creative person that you can possibly imagine. So I, I really appreciate those messages. Absolutely. That's it. That it goes for even for really, you don't have to be getting huge numbers to get that feeling. I can vouch for that. Um, but also, you know, I think that any musician or artist or anyone that really cares about what they do will all say the same thing, irrespective of what scale they operate on. You know, they get um, all the thrill and all the gratification in the world out of just one person meaningfully uh, making it known that they've heard it or they've seen it or they experienced whatever they created and it and it meant something to them. That is the greatest exchange I think that anybody creative can, can ever have. Um, so, so yeah. And, and, you know, and even better that you provide an, uh, an outlet for people just to tell you that all day, every day, no, <laughs> but, uh, but no, it's, it's so good, man. But I, I wanted to, we have, yeah, David Muscadelli, but can we get uh, Josh, uh, Josh's question next too? Cause that's a really good one. Yeah, for sure. Uh, David, uh, who has been a, a member of our community from the almost the beginning, said, uh, any plans to upgrade from the Cherokee complex or twin? Yeah. Hey, David. Um, yeah. So um, I would love to, you know, we were thinking about, are we always going to live in L.A. or am I going to move somewhere and can maybe commute back here for work? Or I travel all over for work, so it would be nice to be able to fly myself a little more, have something a little faster, a little more capable. So. I don't know. I would love uh, like a Seneca with ice protection, turbo Seneca with ice. That would be amazing. But the insurance and maintenance and the added fuel burn is probably out of budget for now. So I would consider even a turbo Saratoga with ice. I, I don't know. I would love to, but right now it's, I don't think it's in the plans. Not for a little while. I think we got to get the both girls through uh, college and then we can start thinking about things like that. Uh, Josh, this is one, uh, 
Brian mentioned, Josh, another member of our of our Patreon community. How how would you counsel someone looking to fly into the LA area? We just dropped our daughter off in Claremont, California, for college, and are going to make the cross country literally someday. Got any counsel for folks coming to fly in the LA area? Yeah, flying in LA is great. Um, we almost always have good weather, and there's a lot of airports and a lot of cool places to go, like Big Bear or Catalina. Um, or like Kern Valley or Santa Barbara or San Diego. There's so many great places to go. I think um, I have a, a video about the LA special flight rules area that walks you through kind of how to fly over LAX and transit the Bravo. Otherwise, it's just really about being on your game on the radios. It's a really busy airspace and there's a lot of, uh, you're definitely going to want to be on flight following when you're anywhere near LA all the time. So just being on your your game of practicing your radio communication, studying the airspace. You're pretty much never going to go through the Bravo. You got to stay under it everywhere except in the special flight rules area. Um, and there's a couple other routes um, close to the special flight rules area, like the coastal route and the Coliseum route. And those are published on the back of the terminal chart. You can see um, they have specific routes where you talk to ATC and you can transit the Bravo. So, um, I, I know there's lots of information on the internet about that stuff, but just studying the chart is pretty good and watching my video about the special flight rules area is good. What else would I say about hmm, flying in the LA area? Um, the controllers here are great. And if you fly in, um, somewhat busy airspace, you'll probably adapt to it pretty well. If you're coming from completely just untowered, uncontrolled airports all the time, it might be a little difficult. You might want to get a CFI to go up with you and kind of show you around the first time, show you how things are done. You know? uh, I was reading a comment earlier uh, from someone in here uh, in the chat. Fowler28379 said, funny story. I was showing my dad in Florida SoCal's new plane video. And all of a sudden my dad yelled, that's my mechanic, Dawn. He could, couldn't believe that someone from California used Dawn. And then he followed up and said, how did you find Dawn the mechanic? Oh yeah, Don is a Don is a great guy, very uh, unique individual. I love him; he's amazing, and uh, he's like a Piper guru. And I met him on a forum, on a type forum, um, when I was first looking for a Cherokee 180. I wasn't even sure what kind of plane, and started narrowing it down to the 180. And we started um, we started chatting on the phone, and he just you know was wanted to help me out and educate me about the pipers and help me look on trade a plane and the other places. And then ultimately I bought a plane that was close to Florida. And I, I said, I'm going to you know buy this plane. There's probably some things I want to do. And he said, Oh, you know, I could probably do some of the work. Um, you know, I'm an A and P uh, with an IA and I've, you know, he lives at an air park. So he offered to put in an engine monitor and do a couple other small things to the 180. Uh, and I agreed. So he actually, went and picked up the plane with a friend and took it to his place, did the work. And then I had it ferried back, uh, back to LA. So that was the 180. When it came, came time for the six, uh, he helped me out finding it and then offered to do the whole like renovation on it, which was absolutely amazing. I got super lucky. It was incredible. I, I really, I mean, that was an incredible renovation. In fact, you turned me on to the, uh, the autopilot that you ended up using. We kicked that around here a lot and not for, not for 
not for the, the this plane, but for I have a flying club here. We've got three planes. We've got a really nice Cherokee 235 that needs an autopilot. So we were, it was about the same time we were kind of kicking that around. Um, Nathan Ballard uh, said that he heard Eric was giving away 631 Bravo whiskey in a <laughs> raffle tonight. Uh, unfortunately, that is just a rumor. Uh, I would assume, unless you want something you want to tell us. No, no, <laughs> not giving it away in a raffle yet. Right. Not yet. It's not out of the realm of possibility. You never know. <laughs> now, there's a reason to join the Patreon right there, right? <laughs> like, that's the only way you're going to find out if it, the plane's coming up for free. Maybe you just make yeah. it like uh, one of those. Um, you, you ever see that whole thing about the uh, the million mile Lexus? You know, like the the Lexus that uh, made it to a million miles, and all these different car or auto YouTubers were just sort of passing it off from you know one to the other, the other, and they were all just enjoying this this old beat up Lexus that was the million mile Lexus. I'm wondering, maybe maybe that's the fate of your airplane is that eventually you just kind of give it up to the community, and everybody just kind of has a you know a month or so with it, and then makes you know videos and things and shares them back with you to so just consider just giving it away to just kind of everyone, you know. Yeah, man, I would. That would be awesome. You that sounds know. great. You never know what's gonna happen. You know, uh, man, uh, you're we'll rule anything out. That plane is so amazing. It makes me feel like I've never actually flown an airplane. It, it, just the avionics alone. I mean, I, I saw the video about the, the just the audio panel that you made a couple years back or whatever, and I'm like, I, I, I'm just like, I my the plane I I am in is like you press the button. Can I hear myself? Great. Can I transmit? Great. Well. That's all she does, you know, like, you know, that whole spatial separation of two channels and just all of the options. I didn't even know people existed in, in that world. It's like you're in some other universe. Yeah, that audio, audio panel is great. And I decided, yeah, I picked it because, um, yeah, you know, passenger to try to get my family to fly. I'm like, how can I make this as good for them as possible? It's like, well, they all get their each they they each have their own music inputs. And they can control, you know, not hear the ATC and control their volume separately. So that was just like, you know, a reason to get that, to make them happy and always want to go. That is the key. Just try to get them to want to want to go on the adventure so I could fly more. Well, you do a good job of mixing up, you know, uh, sort of product review for you know, product walkthrough type things versus adventure storytelling, uh, all that. Is there any... Um, aspect of what you present that seems to be maybe more satisfying or is, is more fun to do or, you know, because I can imagine sometimes that the things that the adventures maybe are perhaps more work because it involves more people and it's, it's traveling and all these things. Whereas like, you know, an avionics, uh, you know, type of thing, or, you know, you can, you can be inventive from the ground and use existing footage or something. So what, mm -hmm. what's the most fun thing for you to do? Yeah, I really like creating the adventure stuff where we go on something where uh, an adventure where it there's some kind of meaning, you know, to it, like um, a trip that means something or yeah. something happens. Like I've got this trip that we did for Father's Day that I've got a cut that we went up to um, uh, near San Luis Obispo and we went, you know, like um, on the dunes, on the sand dunes with like boogie boards and they they had arranged everything. We went like on the dune buggies and it was such a great day of hanging out with the family and connecting all around centered around aviation. And there's like so much like heart to that, you know? Mm, um, yeah. Those are really fun to, to edit and put together, but they take a lot more time. Whenever I start getting footage that's not in the airplane, it just takes more time or cutting like a music montage 
or something or creating those moments or telling the, the story in those moments, it's more time consuming, but ultimately more rewarding. Cause I watch it back. Like the paragliding adventure that we did yeah, um, was creatively also one of the most satisfying videos. And there's, there's so much in there, so much emotion in there for me. Um, and it, it just took a long time to put together, but uh, it's more rewarding, like watching it back. I'll go back and watch that and be like, yeah, that was a moment in our lives that was really special. That was a really special trip. And I've always got that memory of it, you know? That's great. I was rewatching. I've seen everything I mean, I've, at one point, but I was rewatching a few this week, uh, kind of in preparation for tonight. And I think it was it, uh, trapped above the wildfires in the hypoxia and that whole setting. That may have been the one. I can't remember if it was that one or one of them. You had you it, towards the end. Um, you did this big, not a flashback montage, but like from the previous trip, you were trying to be a tour guide the whole time. And I just, I loved how you found all of the bits where you, it was all just jump cuts from the same camera angle of you like, um, oh, look, the mountains over here. Oh, look at the, I wanted to share, look at this mountain. And eventually they're like, can you just talk, can you talk less? And I just thought like <laughs> those moments, the way you turn those in the stories and the music select, I mean, all of it, it like I, I, I mean, my daughter who's 17, who flies with me a, a good deal in these planes uh, was watching some of these with me this week and um i don't know that she had seen any of your content before but even my 17 year old daughter was kind of like you know laughing like out loud and it was kind of cool like i i just think there's there's such an art to that storytelling and it does take time i mean those like just even find those clips you know like to have went through a flight to find the 15 or 18 times that you pointed out a, an event like just that labor, you know, I mean, that's the stuff that takes the time, but boy, it, it makes such a difference in terms of the story and moving the thing forward. Oh, thanks. Yeah. It is time consuming to get that stuff together. I also think that, um, you know, it's important. I try to like make fun of myself sometimes. It's part of the not taking yourself too seriously. And I thought in that video where things get serious, it was nice to have a little making fun of yourself kind of thing. Like, look at this idiot. <laughs> so yeah, it's good to have that perspective. I think not, you know, try so, not to be afraid to like, look, look stupid for sure. We all do it. Um, so one of my questions is what is for lack of a better way of phrasing it? Like what's your end game? Like what's your desired outcome? What, you know, it used to be that people would make, localized sort of internet content with this aspiration perhaps of really in the back of their mind, they're thinking, I want a TV show on discovery or, or like whatever, I don't know, something. But now it seems like it's a standalone world to where you don't necessarily have to be that aspirational about it, and, but you're producing essentially television quality material um, on, on YouTube. So it kind of begs the question, you know, uh, is it just something where it's like, as long as I'm doing this, I'm just going to do this because it just feels good to do it. Or is there some desired outcome or place you're trying to get with it or grow it to? Yeah. I mean, ultimately I would just like to grow the community more and I would love to, we're starting to do with the Patreon, we're starting to do some meetups and planning some flying trips when, you know, my schedule allows. Um, we're talking about doing a Mexico trip to see the whales um, in the spring. And I would like that. I would like to grow that because that is part of the most rewarding stuff. I don't, yeah. I don't want a TV show on, you know, <laughs> people have said that to me too. My buddy's like, Oh, you should do, you guys could have your own like reality show. I'm like, yeah, I don't, I definitely don't want to do that. Um, <laughs> right. But yeah, I would like to do just make more content, tell more stories and see where it goes. Um, it would be nice to, you know, be able to, 
increase the production value a little with more budgets or like on special trips have a, a camera person like i did with the paragliding video i had somebody who was a paraglider but also a, like a filmmaker just came out of santa barbara and he shot a lot of footage for us and did a beautiful job i would yeah. love to have somebody like that with us on some of these trips not all of them but some of the trips where i know it's going to be more of an adventure if we do things like that again um, yeah. and just to kind of up the up the scope of things and make some more epic videos i think creatively that'd be a fun place to go do you, sure. do, do you feel like that the observation of the experiment at some level is problematic perhaps like with the experiences that you're just trying to have organically but the more production mindedness and the you know because you're having, i mean right even as of now you're having to like get your claps and you know you're having to stop the natural flow of what you'd be doing without the cameras probably pretty often right to sort of address the production needs while having this organic experience do you ever feel like that's in contention or something that's be mindfully balanced it i'll tell you in, in the flying part of it 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 doesn't because i tend to um set the gopros up and record and then not worry about them mm -hmm. the exception to that was this last trip with uh jason miller who was he was flying the airplane most of the time and i said you're gonna fly i'll worry about all the cameras so i was starting and stopping and i was like shooting with my phone i've got a lot more in this video that i'm working on now uh shooting out the window and things like that but normally i just set them record the audio and we go occasionally if we're in cruise and i know nothing's happening for like an hour i'll cut all the cameras i'll just push the button and then start them back up I tend not to fuss with the stuff. So it doesn't really interrupt my flow of flying, but on the ground, it definitely can get in the way of like our family vacation. And yeah. I had started like with our Sedona video, I had my Sony a seven S the like DSLR and I had rented a lens and I was, I was out to like make the video and I had 360 cameras in this Jeep and everything. Um, and I've kind of toned that back a little bit. Now I just start using the phone and grab things when I can and try to get the moments and, not always be worrying about it because it does detract from the actual experience of it. So I'm trying to find that balance of just enjoying the, the trips and making some content. Yep. That's very similar. We've heard that kind of thought before from others and me and Brian and I both included. It's like, that's been my thing from the beginning, which is like start the cameras and then I don't think about them again. And I've lost many, a thing because I, you know, didn't check my audio recorder again and something had happened and I don't have audio or like one camera didn't start for some reason and I missed it, but I don't check it again in flight. And <laughs> so I've missed many, many a flight uh, video from that mindset, but I do think it's a wise mindset. And that's, we try to tell people all the time, like it's gotta be, gotta be secondary to like flying the airplane. That's the, you know, that's yeah. the secondary part. If you're going to do it, hey, you, that, had, you had the perfect camera angle for the baggage door though. <laughs> that um that autopilot video that you were referencing uh i had shot that whole video came back and i was transferring the audio file to the computer and the app that i was using if the if the ipad sleeps it deletes the file so i i made like this whole autopilot review all the features of it i did the flight just for the video and the and the and the atc intercom audio like just disappeared I had to redo that entire video and it's a good thing it was during the pandemic when I had no work because otherwise I would have been like, you know what? I'm not doing it. Uh, <laughs> I'm not doing it. I almost I almost did that, said I'm not doing it. But so that autopilot review is the second time around. <laughs> I mean, like the whole thing. It was so uh, horrible. That's frustrating. Yeah. Uh, we're, 
we're in the weeds now, but it's a good question. A lot of people always want to know about um, how do you power your GoPros? Elliot asks, uh, use uh, batteries or external power sources. What do you do for your cameras? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I covered that a little bit in the um, in that video series on Patreon. Well, don't and give it all away. Uh, no, I'm going to tell <laughs> Here it is. Here well, it let's is. just pull it up here. Let's go. Um, so yeah, so on the wing, I use the, um, I use GoPro sevens. Um, that's what I'm using now just cause I borrowed some indefinitely from a friend and that's what he had. So I bought a couple other ones on my own. So I'm using a couple borrowed GoPros and a couple of my own, but they're GoPro sevens. And I use a, uh, external case. It's like a battery case. I think it's called the refuel. And See, I use Brian, that on the wing. This why? Is making, this is making me sick, this, man. Okay. Can someone tell me why those don't exist for GoPros that aren't like four no, no. through seven? The only one is the one I have four or oh, five right. GoPro Hero 8s. They made those battery packs for every GoPro back to like 1983. And then after like from the nine on, they just singled out exactly the one that I bought a bunch of and said, you're never going to get any extended batteries. No one. What? What is this? But anyway, good answer, Eric. Thank you for telling us that. It's just yeah. a sore spot for me because yeah, I don't know, you know why they did Chris, that. Chris just keeps making fun of me because I just do. I'm like, I use the same thing. It's the refuel and it's perfect and it lasts forever. And that's yeah, what I like, use on. The, that's why I use for my exterior cameras too. Six hours, and then the trick for the exterior cameras is, you know, like you're going to go on a four hour flight. You know, you're going to want to shoot the takeoff. You can look at your chart and say, what's the interesting terrain or where do I think things are going to happen or where am I going to get into the weather? And you're going to want the landing. And then you can use this GoPro labs feature to program a QR code that can scan the camera. You put the firmware on there, you scan it, and then you can say like record for 15 minutes, shut down for 15 minutes or half an hour, record for 20 minutes, shut down for an hour, record for an hour. You can program all these things with it. So that's a good way to save battery and card space too, is to kind of do that so i've been doing that and then on the inside cameras i just use like external big like external iphone batteries and cable them and tuck those in a pocket or whatever try to make the cable neat or, or not even um yeah and those are there's a couple ones that are i take the battery out of the gopro and i only use that because the gopro will get hotter if you leave mm -hmm. the battery in and use an external because it's trying to charge the battery too so it gets it overheats more easily if you leave the battery in Let's take the battery out and then I have the, um, yeah, those external batteries and there's, you know, a couple that I prefer, but you can use any, almost any one of them. So, uh, we, obviously we got to wrap up here fairly soon, but I wanted to run one thing by you that you can feel free to talk about ad nauseum or not, but I'm curious what, you know, I'm sure you're familiar with a lot of other aviation content that is out there. What, if any, do you see, where do you see perhaps gaps or opportunities, or do you wish that people were doing more things like X? Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. What I do hear, I, wish I can hear the crickets. This is perfect. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. I don't watch a ton of other aviation content, mostly because I don't have time. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've always liked what flight chops has, has done. Yeah. Think, you know, he does like, cool interesting stuff um i also like some of the like the nitty-gritty like um pro, you know atc stuff or just like really getting into a situation and kind of dissecting mm -hmm. every little detail about it and i do some of that with uh jason we have like a, a series on the patreon that we do this like debriefing certain situations 
Um, and he's include he's putting that in his like ground school app too, which is scenario based kind of stuff. So he'll take one of our scenarios and talk about all the, like the finer points of it, basically like dissecting every little bit of it and all the decision-making and stuff. And I, and I think that analytical look at some of the decision-making can be really valuable. Mm-hmm. And I try to put that in there when it's appropriate. Like the next video I have coming out is going to be a lot of that stuff. Cause we're coming back from Osh dodging storms through Utah and there's, there's tons to consider. Um, so I really like, I, I think there could be more of that kind of stuff instead of, you know, um, just things that are trying to like grab attention, you know? Right. I, I tell you, um, and I've actually already told you, um, uh, that last video that now you're doing the part two of, I feel like there's so much more of that, that I've been looking for. I, I was so glad to see that it was cause it's not, you know, clickbaity excitement stuff, right? It's the real world you're flying, you know, subtly conditions are changing and you've got to slowly be modulating your, your decision-making, your thinking, looking for lines, where you're going to go. And as a newer pilot, you know, I have about 200 hours, hundred hours across country, but most of it's been, you know, pretty fair weather flying. I'm only now just getting into the point where I'm starting to kind of push myself to, you know, out there, right. In those certain areas where it's like not dangerous, but just, I have to, I'm, I'm having to think a lot more dynamically and have a lot more outs and figuring out what's going on. I, I love that stuff, man. It's so, it's so valuable. Thank you for, for doing that because there's really, I mean, I actually even thought about having an instructor when I was you know training, I was like, why don't we just go out and hunt weird scenarios? <laughs> like why, why are we just always doing these maneuvers and things like on these cross countries, you know, it, the extent of that on cross countries was, I'm like, is that okay? Like, oh yeah, that's fine. Like that's, that's all I got. You know what I mean? So thank you for doing that. It's super helpful. Oh yeah. Thanks. Those are, I think those are fun to put together. And when those situations come up, it's, I think it can be valuable and um, hopefully people enjoy it. Well, um, as we're wrapping things up here, why don't I take just a minute if you, if you don't mind, just we've covered it a bunch, but how can people find you? What, what, what are you doing? Where are you? How do we get people connected to you who may not be already that want to follow your content? I I'm definitely coming for the filmmaking content. Cause I can, I can use all of that. So what's uh tell, tell people how to get you. Yeah. So, uh, patreon.com slash SoCal flying monkey for the Patreon membership, which is all the, you know, bonus content, the discord chat, the fly-ins meetups are how to fly to Mexico uh, guide, which we didn't really talk about here, but is something I'm really excited about. So yeah, um, the Patreon and then Instagram, which is SoCal Flying Monkey on Instagram. And of course, youtube.com slash SoCal Flying Monkey on YouTube. And uh, yeah, we have a Facebook page too, SoCal Flying Monkey on Facebook. So those are, I guess those are all the places. That's fantastic, man. Well, this was this has been so much fun. It was kind of like we keep saying we you know we had the opposing bases podcast guys on earlier. There's just such a handful of people that for me were have just been such a part. I'm so new to aviation just in the last you know four years, and uh, you are you have been at the top of my list to get to talk to, and have been super. Um, just inspiring for me just along my journey to, to see the adventures that you're taking. So this really has been an honor personally for me to get to, to get to hang out with you for an hour. And, and we're super grateful for your time. I know you're busy and seeing Dave Matthews 800 times and all, <laughs> all the things, but it was, uh, it was so awesome to have you on. Thank you so much. Oh man. Thanks so much for having me on. It was a real pleasure. And it's just great to connect with you guys about aviation, which is such an amazing privilege that we have. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, um, is is 
do you have Dave Matthews in your baggage or like, did you, did you kidnap him in your, in your Cherokee? <laughs> Cause I feel like he's just wherever you are. I can't figure it out, but, um, no, it's so cool. You're, do, you're doing that. And I also just, uh, wanted to make sure that you, uh, pledge at some point, even if you're just making it up to come see me in Nashville, go to West Virginia, see Chris, <laughs> cause you clearly you're just flying around all the time. So just stop by. Uh, and if you're, you know, in Nashville, it's basically, kind of like a redneck LA. So you should feel totally fine here. Um, I'm sure that I'm going to be shooting a commercial at some point in Nashville. So I'll definitely connect with you. I've been there once or twice for work, so it'll yeah. happen. It'll definitely uh, happen. All right. Well, thank you, uh, Day, uh, Brian, for podcasting with me as always. Uh, everyone in the chat, we had a great group of folks tonight. I think we had a hybrid. Some of uh, Eric's folks came over and it was cool to, cool to hang out with, uh, with some of your folks tonight. And don't forget, if you're listening to the audio version of this, please uh, join us every other Wednesday at 8 o'clock at youtube.com slash midlifepilot. All right. Good night. Good night. Thanks, everybody.